Welcome, welcome to Sunday service, June 5th. Here we are Sunday. That's why we call it Sunday service. I have had people tease me for being quote unquote sacrilegious because they think I'm making a religious stance. We are not. We have just been providing this service, guys, for the last two years on Sunday. And uh, it started all in a freaking free conference call. H free conference call HD 1-800 blah, blah, blah. And we used to have all of our listeners call into a phone number and they would have to press the number six to raise their hand. And then Cody would have to go through each one of those by pressing buttons. Guys, it was like, we, that was only 24 months ago. This <laughs> might as well have been back in 1972. Okay. We did not use technology properly because we didn't know. So a lot of you guys have made comments in the last couple of weeks. In fact, I've been doing some social media zooms with my students in the sub two mentorship. And they've been saying, well, Pace, this is easy for you because you're famous and you're a TV guy and you're this and there. I'm like, guys, 24 months ago, Cody and I were freaking using 1-800-CONFERENCE-CALL-HD. Okay? We didn't know what StreamYard was. We didn't know what YouTube. We, we didn't know how to do it. Come on. So uh, we do have a topic to talk about today, and I'm excited about it. But uh, just wanted to jump into one question because I feel like this comes up all the time. And I think that we could give this a little bit of air so that I could utilize this episode to answer the question, not once and for all, but maybe the first 20 or 30 minutes of it. And that question is this, Cody, in a subject to transaction, how is the seller protected? How is the seller protected? And um, they're protected in multiple ways, but I want to talk about this. Let's go back to just traditional world. Forget about subject two. Forget about seller finance. Forget about novation agreements, lease options, wraps, all of the things. How if if, a, if you go get a loan from a bank, Cody? You go down yep. to myinvestorloan.com, for example. That's who we're using for our, all of our fix and flips, our refinances, our long-term buy and holds. Myinvestorloan.com. What protects them? from us defaulting a deed of trust a deed of trust and what the hell is a deed of trust basically it's a fancy iou basically it's a hey pace i'm gonna give you this money but you're gonna sign this piece of paper here that says if you stop paying me for this house that i'm giving you the money for i'm gonna take the house back there you go so um let's list them out okay there's multiple things that protect even in the traditional world, okay, there are multiple things in the traditional world, which is you go to Chase Bank, you go to Wells Fargo Bank, you go to Rocket, Pocket Rocket, what's that called? Rocket Fuel? Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage, sorry. Pocket Rocket, I think, is some something that Cody constantly brings up. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> whatever it is that you go to, whatever lender you go to, they are giving you money to buy something, right? Same thing with a credit card. So when people ask me this question, how is a seller protected if they sell their house to you on subject two? I'm like, all of the ways that a traditional lender is protected and actually more, which we'll get into. But I just want to give you that frame of mind. What protects American Express from me not making my payments? What protects Discover or any other credit card company from me making payments? What protects them? In fact, 
I would say credit cards almost have no collateral, no protection whatsoever. What do you think? I mean, they're they're just I th I think credit card companies are just betting on a certain amount of people will pay, and the people that don't pay, they sell those off to collections agencies and collect as much. But as they, they take can like and... thirty cents on the dollar. Yeah. Right. But I think they're just making so much in interest that they could just make it up. Yeah. Crazy, right? Crazy, crazy, crazy. It, this is interesting. I got somebody is hacking us. This is great. Got to block a user that's hacked our name. What they do is they come in and they. Oh my gosh. It's genius. It's genius. You know, wow. when you, we start here, Cody, it, you go back in 24 months ago. And, and tell yourself, hey, man, I know you're right now using 1-800-FREE-CONFERENCE-CALL-HD. And in order for people to ask a question, they have to dial six. But in 24 months from now, somebody's going to think your brand is so special, okay, that they're going to scam your name and, and pretend to be you in the comments. That's pretty cool. That's an achievement, bro. It's when you've made it, I guess. That Well, you know, <laughs> you know, you made it to the next level. So um, can, if, I, if I go to Discover, American Express, Visa, and I get a credit card, how, am I, how are they protected for me? Like they're giving me credit to go buy things, right? Go buy grocery, whatever, pay my bills. How are they protected in that situation? Anyway? I mean, no, they could ruin guys. your credit. That's about it. They could ruin your credit. But at that point, the person who defaulted probably doesn't really care about their credit for whatever they're going through. Okay. Which is, I'm going to get to my ultimate point here in a minute. So hang with me. If you have this question of how is the seller protected, right? Make sure you stick with me because we're going to get to the crescendo here in just a little bit. But I got to make sure I frame your mind correctly because you don't understand the basics of, of real estate and the basics of financial arrangements. Chase, Wells Fargo, all these people are in business, right, to give money away. And they, they're smart. They're smarter than credit card companies because credit card companies really, the collateral they have is your credit, right? So what they're doing is they're banking on the fact that you don't want to damage your credit because when you went to them, you had good credit. And so you want to keep that intact. That's the only security they have. A credit card company can't come take my car from me they can't come foreclose on my house, okay? A they can sell the debt off to a collection company and they can maybe put a judgment in my name that may might take them seven to 10 years to collect, something along those lines. So a credit card company is not even protected. Yet people are so desperately curious of how a seller that's in foreclosure or going through some painful situation, how are they protected? Guys, Chase, American Express, Wells Fargo, all these companies are less protected than a seller in a subject to transaction. So I'll get to that in a minute. So we know how credit card companies are protected. They're protected in the sense of, well, I'm hoping Cody or Pace or anybody else says, oh my gosh, this is great. How is this person? This is, they're genius. What they're doing in the side comments is they're pretending to be my name. I love it. I think it's not. Them. Oh my gosh. Another one. Oh, yeah, bro. They just Dude, keep changing the so names. so many. Genius. Genius. I blocked them. Um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll watch them. Rafael Ramirez, thank you so much for the, for the $5. I, I do really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's go through this. We know how a credit card company is protected is they're hoping and they're banking on you wanting to keep good credit. 
So let's jump to the next type of thing, traditional lenders. Who's a traditional lender? FHA, VA, or FHA is a loan program. It's an insurance program, Penny Mac, right? All, the, all these big lenders that are lending you money to go buy a house. Cody, how are they protected? Same thing, right? They still have that same level of security of a credit card company, which is, I don't want, I, I know Cody got this house because he had good credit, but mm -hmm. he doesn't want to damage his credit. So he, we're, bank, we're banking on that. That's baseline. They now have the same level of protection that a credit card company has. The next level of protection that they have is what Cody mentioned is a note and a deed of trust. And depending on the state you're in, it might be called a mortgage, okay? So a mortgage is a debt instrument, okay? And people are like, wait, a debt instrument? Oh my gosh, you're talking so fast. It's just hurting my brain. And I can understand that. I totally can understand that. When somebody said the words debt instrument to me, a credit card is a debt instrument, okay? A personal loan is a debt instrument. A, um, a payday loan is a debt instrument. A title loan is a debt instrument. A um, mortgage or a deed of trust is also a debt instrument. So these are just instruments that humans use back and forth to acquire or to give debt. Okay, it's a debt instrument. Somebody in the in the comments, somebody in here is going to be like, that actually helped me out. So that's why I got to give some of these things some breath, which is fine. So a mortgage and a deed of trust are basically the same thing. The difference is the state that you're in and what they're called, okay? And all that means is that it's a big series of documents that states all the agreements of that loan, okay? That's what we call a deed of trust. Now, a note is a short version of a promissory note, okay? Which means I promise to pay you and I'm willing, I'm so willing to promise that I'm going to pay you that I'm actually going to write it on this very amazing note. And it's about two pages long. And it's the, it's the summation or the condensed version of the agreement. And it states everything that you agreed. Okay. Like here, I'll, I'll show you guys what a, a promissory note looks like, because I really want to answer this question once and for all. And then we'll get into the bird dog question here shortly. Um, let's see the one. I get a lot of deeds of trust. I know we have a lot of deeds of trust, but I rarely ever get them copied to me. Um, nobody trusts me in the company. Um, what was that house? Is it 87th or 78th? Oh, it's 78th. 78th is one, yeah. It is 1906-78. Okay. Let's just make sure I got this whole thing. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So this is a really good one. We've brought this up multiple times. Let me share screen with you guys. This is one of the many, many um, seller finance deals that we've got, 0% seller finance. So see this little note, secured, secured right there <laughs> by deed of trust. So when you say, how is a seller secured? The actual paperwork that we use has the word secured in the title of the paperwork, a note, a promissory note secured by a deed of trust. A deed of trust is actually a separate document. It's further down here, which we can get into. Deed of trust is down here. Deed of trust and assignments of rent. Look how big this document is, okay? See all these documents? So when you say what, what secures or what protects a seller, every one of these little documents, all these words, these magical words, these protect the seller from us defaulting. And I'll kind of walk through that in a minute. But this is the shorter version of that, okay? 
let me let me make this go full screen. You guys don't have to see our face. So you'll see right here um, the value of the property or what the what the purchase price is right here, what day we closed escrow, and then the basic agreements. We actually this one was let's see, this one is a great one. I'm I'm not mad at this one. Are you mad at this one? No, that was a great deal. Okay, uh, we still own this one. By the way, so everybody thought I was crazy when I signed this contract at a hundred thousand. The ARV was a hundred thousand, and we bought this house for a hundred thousand, basically. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought we were crazy, but look at this: zero percent seller finance. So when people are like, "How is the seller secured?" What you're actually telling me is that you've never spoken to a seller in pain before, first and foremost. And when you say stuff like, "Why would a seller be?" motivated to sell on seller finance at 0% seller finance, you're also telling me without telling me that you've never spoken to a seller in pain, in pain. You don't, you've never spoken to a seller with motivation before. Basically you spend your whole life on Zillow, looking at Zillow listings, thinking that that's how people get deals. That's not how people get deals. Okay. Maybe one out of a thousand deals, are, are done that way, but it's very rare. So you have the agreements, right? And if it says, if the unpaid balance is not paid in full by the end of the term date set for the late fee per day, well, there's another security, $50 per day of a late fee. So that's another layer of security. If I haven't given you already enough layers, I got more to go, okay? You've got late fees, okay? Um, you also have, okay, um, this is another conversation that's so crazy to me is that people think that when you buy a house subject to, they don't think that you're the actual owner. So they go, what happens? Literally this, this was in my DMs today. What happens if you sell the house five years later, how much do you have to pay the seller of the house? <laughs> what? That seller hasn't been the owner of that property for five years. What part of buying the property subject to, do you not understand? People don't understand that the debt, which is the, the mortgage that we pay, and the ownership are actually have nothing to do with each other. So I can take ownership of the property and keep the debt in place. So it's such a rudimentary question. It's a rudimentary conversation, and I'm happy to have it. But you guys need to really pay attention. So again, number one, baseline. They, they know that our name, our credit, um, those types of things are at stake when we default, right? Now, you also have a promissory note. I promise that I understand these agreements and I promise that I'm going to abide by them. And I promise that I will make sure that these payments are made on time. And I promise so hard that I will put this on this little magical thing called a promissory note, also called a note. I'll write it down and we'll both put our signatures on it because we both agree to it. So now we got a promissory note. Well, seller says, well, th okay, that's nice. It's nice that we wrote this in writing, but how do we secure this against the property? And that's another conversation that people don't understand. Would you agree with that, Cody? People oh, yeah, have no 100%. clue. What does 100%. securing a something against a property mean? Actually, re officially recording that document with whatever county that it's the property is sold in. 
So you can go to like Maricopa County or let's say you live in Houston. You can go to Swamp County. I think that's what it's called. Or Florida is called Gator County. I Who knows? But I can go to the county and say, I have a document that I want recorded on public record so that nobody can sell, refinance, do anything with this property until the terms of this agreement are abided by and fulfilled. And I want you to record that so that there's physically no possible way that anybody could buy, sell, refinance, et cetera, without my permission. Is that what you're saying? 100%. Okay. It's public record, guys. So, Cody, can you pull up public record, like maybe on Monsoon? Let's pull up, um, what's a good property to pull this up on, like a subject two deal that we own? I mean, I could uh, even pull, pull up the one you were just talking about on 78th. Pull one up on, pull a subject two deal up. Pull up 2720 North Sterling. The reason why I use that property so frequently is because um, I've given, I've gotten permission from that seller to talk about it ad nauseum, like as much as I possibly want. Okay. So you guys will see this house come up over and over and over because the seller has become a friend of mine, DMs me frequently, weekly. He's an amazing human being. Okay. So people say, how is the seller secured? Well, I think we just answered that multiple times, but we're going to go a couple layers even deeper. Okay. So in a traditional mortgage, Oh yeah, Cody's sharing some screen action. Here we go. So this is this. What are we looking at, Cody? What's the software? Because people want to know what's the software to this. What and what, is there also a coupon code to this software? So unfortunately, on this software, there is not a coupon code. But what we're looking at is in Arizona. It's the MLS, which is the multiple listing service. Um, for you to be able to get the closest data to this, you'd want to use a software like Batch Leads, which if you guys didn't know, uh, Batch Leads is the sponsor of Sunday service. So you can go to batchleads.io forward slash Sunday and get some free records from them. Um, but so essentially what we're looking at really quick here is the tax record. So really what I did was I, I clicked on the document that was recorded for this particular property on Sterling that Pace was mentioning. And then I'm going over to the recording Will information. you push Apple Plus so we can see the words on oh. that shit? Yeah. Sorry for cussing, guys. I'm sorry. I know it's Sunday. There we go. So it says the recording information is it yep. was the previous name was Dave and uh, Gene Byarski. Yep. And it was transferred over to Saguaro Cactus Holdings, which is my holding company, correct? Yes, sir. So that was recorded. Obviously, we see the date it was recorded, the recording number. Again, this is all public record. Can you put it? It's a warranty deed. Yep. Which so means that the a title company, listen to this, guys, this transfer, which means I bought it subject to the ownership was transferred to me. Dave is no longer the owner, even though. Am I yelling loud enough? Even no. though louder, this, the loan is still in his name. So a title company. Shout out Complete Title. If you guys are um, looking for title companies in Florida and Texas, and also soon to be potentially Nashville, Cody and I own title companies in Texas and Florida coming up very soon called Complete Title because we will be the only title company in the country that will do all transactions. Therefore, we are the only complete title company. 
Okay. So um, pull up them pages, bro. Pull up them pages. Love that. So this warranty deed, zoom in on this like 120 or something. There it is. Okay. So warranty deed for the consideration of $10 and other valuable considerations. Okay. Um, does hereby convey to Saguaro Cactus Holdings the following real property signed in Maricopa, situated in Maricopa County, subject to, isn't that funny? Even though that actually is not the subject to we're talking about that, but that is funny. And how big is a warranty deed, Cody? Like, is it like 25 pages or just simply like no. one and a half pages? This is it. So there you go, there you go guys. We have a notarized document dated 2nd of September. 2019. At least that's what it says. I don't know. What that, oh, that's that's when her thing will expire. I bought this oh, yeah, in November. Yeah, yeah. November. November 21st. of 2019. So coming on three years ago. That you know how much money I made on that thing? A lot. So, so much damn money. It's stupid. Okay. Um. So this is the transfer. You guys can pull this up right now on any property. Okay, you can find out who the owner is by looking at the warranty deed. Susan Myray says, we lost sound. Did everybody um, lose sound or is Susan just using an Android? Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So here we go. You guys can see that the warranty deed shows that Dave and Jean transferred the ownership of this property to Saguaro Cactus Holdings. And guess what, guys? The Wells Fargo loan, Cody, you can stop sharing this. Um, the Wells Fargo loan that is in Dave's name is still in Dave's name. I still pay the Wells Fargo mortgage. So who's the owner of this property, Cody? Saguaro Cactus Holdings. Wait a minute, but Dave's name's on the mortgage, Cody. That's just the debt instrument. It's not the deed. So the debt, you're telling me. Okay, so let's simplify this. You're telling me. This is, this is the, I think this is the most simple um, analogy ever. If I go into, if I go into a grocery store and I buy groceries, I can use somebody else's money to do that. Yes, sir. What's that called? What's what? What do I use to buy something with somebody else's money in like a grocery store situation? It's not EBT. It's uh, American Express. Ooh, EBT. I I I always tease people when they go. I was at the emergency room right now or today, um, getting my sister's uh, leg all sutured up. <laughs> How did they happen? go? Oh, bro, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, so I'm at the ER where I'm seven hours there. It's a whole thing. $5,000. It's, it's a thing, you know? And I, I go to pay and they go, how are you paying? And I go, do you guys take food stamps? They don't take food stamps. Okay. And nor do I have food stamps, but we paid with an American express. So interesting that I can go to a grocery store and I can go buy groceries with somebody else's money. American Express. That ain't my money. That's American Express's money, but I bought groceries. So at the end of the day, whose groceries are they, Cody? American Express's or mine? Your groceries. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I own the groceries, but American Express is still owed money. 
Yes. So how do I prove that I own those groceries? You have a receipt. Damn. All right. So what you're saying is the the warranty deed is like the receipt of real estate. If you can transfer the receipt from one person to another, that's who shows that's what shows the ownership of those groceries, right? So I could pass those groceries around a thousand times as long as the receipt goes with it. And we've basically played hot potato with those groceries a hundred times and we've transferred ownership and proof of ownership, even though the American Express is still owed a hundred dollars from the original purchaser. Hundred percent. Oh my gosh! Why? Why? How, is it, di- are, it? It can't be that simple. There's no way it can be that simple. Penn says, "But dudes, you've been in. You all have been in real estate forever. Tons of connections. Don't make it sound so easy, Pace. Stop making it sound so easy." Um, G G says, "No disrespect. Just saying. I had an EBT at one point too. Yeah. So so did a lot of people, including a, a bunch of my family." Okay. A bunch of my family. I'm not, I'm not teasing about EBT at all. Okay. Um, and who, somebody said it, it's, it's not easy. Oh, this is great. Pen, uh, pen and teller. Magical. I love this. Uh, but dudes, y'all have been in real estate forever and have tons of connections. Please don't make it sound so easy. It is easy. It is easy. It is easy. We, you, all of us, the number one thing that we do as human beings is we overcomplicate everything. Okay. We overcomplicate everything. And so my goal right now is to help you uncomplicate this. It is simply that easy. I go into a grocery store. I use my American Express for, let's say, $500. The clerk says, do you want your receipt? I go, yeah, I want my my receipt because I know what's going to happen when I walk outside the grocery store. Let's say it's Costco. Costco is going to ask me for that receipt. Show me. So what? Answer. Ask this question. When I walk outside of Costco, what do they always ask for, Cody? Every single time, they want to see your receipt, and then they want to mark it with their with their highlighter. They go, all right, boom, <laughs> you paid for it. You have proof of ownership. One thing they've never asked me is, did you use a credit card that's in your name, or <laughs> what credit card did you use to buy those groceries? Have you ever been asked that question at Costco? No, no. Guys, nobody cares about the debt instrument. They care about the proof of ownership. So let's remember that. In a subject to and seller finance transaction, the person who holds the warranty deed or the deed, okay, warranty deed means that it's been warranted to be a clean deed and somebody has a title policy on it. That's a whole nother conversation. Somebody's like, holy moly, you're getting too deep. And I get that. I didn't even know what a title policy was three years ago. Not truly. I didn't truly understand what a title policy was until three years ago. So I I get it. There's certain things, they are easy. Okay. But the problem is when you're brand new, they're so new to you that for the first couple of minutes, you don't even comprehend the words that are coming out of somebody's mouth because you're that's so new to you, right? I've told this story and I'm gonna come back, guys. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. And I have been about that grocery store analogy, but I hope hope that's helped out. When I learned Korean, a lot of people don't know I lived in Korea for two years. When I learned Korean, there was a really challenging word I had to learn. And what was that word? The most challenging word I had to learn was hello. Do you know why it was the most challenging word? Is because it was the first word I had ever heard in Korean 
and told what that word was and told that I have to memorize it because I'm going to have to say this thing 1,000 times. You remember how to say it? I, I do. Of course I do. I, do I you still Korean. have like full on conversations in Korean. Yeah. I ha- we went to Korean restaurant uh, two nights ago and I had a, a great conversation in Korean. And why have I never seen you do that yet? Because, <laughs> because I'm trying to hide s- skills from you. <laughs> so when somebody tells me, here's how you say hello in Korean, the word was Anyang Ashumnika. Anyang Ashumnika. I was like, what? Huh? Anyang Ashumnika. Anyang Ashumnika. And I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it. And literally like two days into like practicing it over and over, I just was like tongue-tied or whatever. I'm like, dude, it's not that hard. It's the word hello in Korean. How am I supposed to learn Korean and then move to Korea for two years if I can't even say hello? Guys, I had to freaking do wordplay. I actually had to get my mind to think about it differently. I had to use English words for me to understand how to say hello in Korean. And the English words I used were, Onion, like onions, the the vegetable, onion on my sneakers. I had to do this wordplay of how to memorize onyangashimnika. I would say, onion on my sneakers, onyangashimnika. And it was so hard for me because it was the first time I ever heard that word. So guys, just remember, you are going to run into things in um, real estate that are actually very simple things. It's just that you've never heard them before, okay? You've never heard them before, so they seem way more challenging than they are. took me three days to learn how to say hello in Korean, okay? So don't stress out. It's okay to be overwhelmed. Take some notes. Write some shit down. Go Google it. That's what we had to do too, okay? It's okay, okay? It's okay for you guys to um, be overwhelmed, but these things are easy and they are simple. The reason why they feel like they're not is because you're overwhelmed with new terminology and that's it. That's all there is to it. Okay. So let's get back to the, let's get back to this tangent. Let's come back in. Okay. So a seller sells to us on subject two. Okay. We now have the deed in our name and the debt is in their name. Right. Pretty simple. Let's talk about this from a grocery standpoint. Cody, you go to you go to Costco. It's like yep. a Saturday afternoon. You go to Costco. You spend an hour or so meandering through the aisles. And you go through the line. You pay for with your American Express. Actually, Costco doesn't take American Express. They take Visa. Nope. Yep. <laughs> so you pay with your Visa. You're going out the door. And right before you walk out the door to that, Um, security guard that says, let me use my highlighter on that. I walk up to you and I go, bro, bro, I got a barbecue. I told my wife three days ago, I was going to get all the goods, all the things. And I'm supposed to be home in seven minutes. I don't have time to meander through the store, bro. Can I just take your groceries and I'll pay your credit card off? Could I technically do that? I mean, technically, sure. I'm not saying you would have the motivation for it, <laughs> right? I'm just saying, could I technically go, give me your receipt so I can walk out the door, so transfer the ownership to me by giving me the deed, 
let me walk out the door with the proof of ownership, and then I will make payments on your credit card for you. Is that something I could technically do today? 100%. Okay. So I can buy your groceries subject to. Who is the owner of those groceries? You? Whoever has a receipt. Damn. Okay. So guys, are you understanding a subject to transaction does not mean the seller is still the owner. They have zero rights, zero rights over the, those groceries. They have transferred ownership to you. Now, what if Cody sells those things to me and I go, hey, I'll make your payments later. I just took over his groceries. There's no credit of my own. He used his own credit, right? With no credentials. And I didn't even have to go through the freaking Costco and spend all the time walking through people's farts. Okay. Massive benefit to me. Now, what I could do is I could take those groceries and do a wide variety of things. I could go make a sandwich thing on the corner and make, you know, make money, add value to that, those groceries and actually sell those for a higher dollar amount, pay off his grocery bill on his credit card. And I have cash left over. I could do that. Or I could just go consume those groceries myself. Okay. So I hope that that analogy helps you understand how simple. Hey, uh, guys, everybody with the acceleration clause and the due on sale clause, guys, do me a favor, please. Type in Pace Morby due on sale clause, and I will answer that in a two-hour Sunday service dedicated breakdown, okay? No more conversations about the acceleration clause or the due on sale clause. It is an absolute amazing, episode that we did on Sunday service. In fact, I will show you guys. Okay. What is your response to someone says subject to deals are like unicorns. They're rarely, if ever found, I would say, um, look at our portfolio. <laughs> I think what I would say, Aaron Leeds, that's a really great question. I, here's what I would say. They're a realtor. They are not good at pitching terms or they're not good at talking to sellers at all. In fact, when I get people go, oh, this seller's not open to terms. Guys, every single time I have gotten on the phone with a seller, every single time I've gotten on the phone with a seller, I'm going to say that a third time. Every single time I've gotten on the phone with a seller that somebody else told me this person's not open to terms, I spin it around and I spin everybody on their heads and they go, holy crap, how did you do that? Um, Aaron Leeds, I don't have 30 cold callers, bro. We have like three. <laughs> I think the thing is too on that is someone could say the same thing about cash deals or like unicorns. They're rare to be found, if ever. Someone could say the same thing about buying wholesale deals. Someone could say the same thing about buying seller carries. Same same thing about buying. Oh, dude, subs, how many times I mean? how many times do you hear that whole that wholesale deal? Wholesale's a joke and wholesale's this and there's no fix and flips out there and blah, 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 blah. All the time. I mean, we've been hearing that for years. I mean, it's people that don't know how to go find those deals. And the other thing people have to understand is not every single person you talk to that owns a home is going to be a candidate for a sub to a seller carry or a cash, you know, 60, 70% under, uh, you know, of market value deal. You're, you're fishing, you're looking for the people that need what you have, which is the solution to their pain and their problem. And then it's the way that you present the solution to their problem, which is going to cause you to be able to get that or not. So it's, it's, it's a problem that people have with pitching that type of 
situation and pitching, meaning you're not trying to convince them. You're walking them down a path of that's the best case scenario for their situation is what so, people uh, here, are doing. Here's what I would tell you. The people that say subject to are like unicorn deals, they're either salty of what we've created. Okay, we've created a powerful community that has normalized creative finance in this space. It was a goal we had years ago. And so anytime you ever hear somebody talk trash about us, creative finance, subject to, et cetera, you have to look at those people and go, man, you're one salty piece of shit. That's it. That's the first thing that should come to your mind. You're a salty piece of shit. That's, you don't need to say it, but that's the first thing that should come out of your, into your brain is, man, you're salty. You're so salty. It's the same thing with fixing flippers that are that when people are, oh, there's no fixing flips out there. They're so hard to find. Meanwhile, there's thousands of them being done around, done in Maricopa County alone. Thousands. Okay. The other thing that's funny too is people go, creative finance is so hard. There's no guys, go to your MLS right now. Go to your MLS right now and type in seller carryback, and you will find hundreds. I actually did this with Ingrid Hernandez about a year ago. Here she is, Ingrid. She's got a great comment. I threw it up on the screen. Ingrid makes a comment um, down below, which I'll get to in a second. But about a year ago, I, I pulled this out on a private Zoom inside of Sub2. And I go, hey, pull up right now. Go to Maricopa County and type in seller carryback and you'll find hundreds, if not over, at least 80 to 150 seller carryback, seller finance opportunities on the MLS. Oh, I'm gonna hold on. Let's let me say this again. Cause I don't think you're listening. Go to anybody's MLS right now. Florida, Texas, New York, New Jersey, Washington, Oregon, California. Notice I said the worst states first. Arizona, anywhere. And look up MLS, type in seller carry back or creative finance or seller finance in your MLS as a realtor, and you will find hundreds of listed properties on seller carryback. So when people say, oh, there's no creative finance deals out there, that you're just telling me, you know, here, here I've told this analogy multiple times. Cody, when somebody tells you they don't like ice cream, what are they really telling you? They haven't found the ice, they haven't found the right ice cream. Here's what they're really telling you. They're really telling you every time I eat ice cream, I shit my pants because I'm lactose intolerant. So that's why I don't like ice cream. <laughs> but there's no human being, okay? There's no human being on planet Earth that can legitimately say I've never enjoyed ice cream except for people that have lactose intolerance. So when somebody says I don't like ice cream, what they're really saying is damn, I really like ice cream, but I don't enjoy shitting my pants. Okay, so what do I mean by that? What I mean is that when you say there's no opportunities in, in seller finance, subject to novation agreements, look at Chuck Billy and Ryan Peterson. It's literally their entire business is novation agreements. Look at Cody and I. We have done so many subject to deals. Look at look, look at Cody and I. I've got, we've got a 40-unit multifamily in... Texas under contract right now for seller finance, 50 year mortgage. The seller is giving us 50 years to pay it off. 50 years to pay it off. And the seller is looking at seller financing a 300 unit 
deal in Vegas right off the strip. Another 50-year no. So when people say these opportunities don't exist, they're really just saying something else. One, I'm lazy and I haven't done the work. Two, I'm conventional and all I've done is had Keller Williams send me leads. What, what's the brokerage that sends you leads? Keller Williams? Yeah, I mean, a few of them do. Keller Williams has a lead. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So when somebody says subject two is hard to get, which is great because Aaron Leeds, what I love about Aaron Leeds' comment is Aaron Leeds ironically tried to do a cash, tried to get into real estate multiple times. Guess what his first deal was? Sub two? Sub two. So when that person told Aaron Leeds, oh, those are like unicorn deals, and Aaron Leeds can legitimately say, well, my first, my first deal was a subject two deal. <laughs> All right. You just might be a salty piece of shit, and that's okay. At least we know where you stand. You're lactose intolerant. You don't like ice cream because you are lactose intolerant. That's really what you're saying, okay? So the other thing is people suck at pitching terms. So look at Ingrid, okay? A year ago, Ingrid was stuck in not taking action mode, and now she's cranky. She's got a Morby method, a strategy that nobody even knew about until a year ago when I created it, okay? Ingrid just got a Morby method deal done. She also says in her comment, I just got a verbal on a VA loan sub two today. I'm a realtor, and I, they wanted to list it at first. You have to know their problems and whether or not they are going to give value. Okay, so here's the thing about people that say subject to deals are unicorn deals. Here's the other thing I'll tell you. If I listen to a single one of those people's phone calls with their sellers, I'd be like, oh my gosh, bro. I don't even care who you go get as a sales coach. Go get a sales coach. You couldn't, walk, you couldn't talk yourself out of a wet paper bag. You can't get a cash deal. You can't get a creative. You can't get any deal. So for you to say these deals are challenging, bro, just go take YouTube University on any sales training whatsoever. You suck straight up at sales. You can't find pain of sellers. You don't understand empathy. You don't know how to dig any deeper and you don't understand real estate. That's it. Why are we so good at pitching terms? Why, why can I comfortably say I'm not buying anything outside of the state of Arizona unless it's creative finance and most of our opportunities come from out of the state. Confident. It's because we know what we're looking for and we know how common these things are. Okay. Earth B says, I wish you wouldn't talk about subject two. The man has made dozens of videos on subject two. Yeah, but some people, what I've learned is some people just want to be spoon fed. I also am one of those people, so I'm not judging. So let's go back to this. I still have not answered the question, how has, well, I have. I have answered the question, how is a seller protected in a creative finance transaction, particularly subject to? Well, one, we, we run the risk of screwing up our credit or getting foreclosed on, right, in the event that we default. Two, there is a promissory note promissory note. We promise to pay. Here's the note. Here's everything in writing. That's security. Late fees. That's another layer of security. Okay. 
And another layer of security is that all of these things are actually recorded against the property at the county recorder's office. Okay? At the county recorder's office. Um, all right. So, guys, I'm going to answer this do on sale clause thing. I think this is absolutely bonkers that this is continually coming up. I'm going to sit here and just have this sit here while we talk. Okay? Because <laughs> look at this. Overcoming do on sale clause 11 months ago. How to handle do on sale clause. Do on sale clause. Do on sale clause part two. We actually did two full Sunday services on do on sale clause. Two of them. Oh, and another one. I have. Oh, here's this one's a really good one. That was from a year ago. Let's see. Oh, this one's a good one. Why sellers won't sell to you? This might Aaron Leeds, the person that said seller finance or subject to our unicorn deals. Maybe have them watch that one, or have them come watch this one where I call them a little baby. Okay, guys, we've we've done the do on sale clause stuff. Okay, look at the overcoming the do on sale clause. How to handle the do on sale clause. Do on sale clause. Do on sale clause. <laughs> Okay. Well, guys, are we there? Give me a yes in the comments. Have we sufficiently ha handled this? Give me a yes in the comments. And go watch those. Um, has anyone ever heard of the bank using the do on sale clause ever? Yes. We have actually been party to the do on sale clause five times. Five times. And we actually tell you those stories in these videos right here. These videos right here, we tell you the stories in these right here. So yes, we have had the do on sale clause. We've never said it doesn't exist. We just tell you how to handle it. Okay, these guys, we've done the work. We done the we done did the work for you. We made these videos. Okay, there you go. So. Let's go through a couple other layers of have we have we said how a seller is secure in a subject to transaction? Cody, have you have we answered that yet? How do we secure them yeah. uh, in another video or in no, no, just no. right now, like in this last oh, no, hour, we haven't, 46 we minutes. I mean, we've 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 touched on it a little bit, but not not in detail. OK, so next step. Here's another layer. If. This is an if. If I find a seller that's in foreclosure, which is a common thing, I'd say 50% of the subject to deals that we do, 50% of them, the sellers are in foreclosure. So let's say that I find a seller, they're in foreclosure. What does that mean? Somebody's brand new, doesn't know what that means. That means the seller is currently behind on their payments and they're in a painful situation that you can't understand, okay? When people say stuff to us like, how, how, why, why would a seller do this? Why would a seller do this? Guys, rule number one of creative finance, write this down, write this down, write this down. Rule number one of creative finance, always break even or cash flow every single transaction you buy. Never buy something that you have negative cash flow ever. That's rule number one. Rule number two, more important in my mind than rule number one. Rule number two is never put your brain, right? Your life, your experiences, your, your goals, your aspirations, your mental mindset blockages, your religious preference, your this, that, and the other. Don't put your mind in the seller's head. 
Okay, don't take your brain out, which is, has all this gooey, ooey, nasty stuff attached to it, which is your thoughts and your perceptions and your goals and your pains and motivations. Don't ever take that out of your head and put it inside of the seller's head and assume you have a freaking clue what the seller wants with their life. You don't. So when people ask that question of why would a seller do this? I already know you've never spoken to a seller that has any sort of pain. That you've just told me you've never had a conversation with a seller that has pain. Because when you do talk to a human being that has pain, right? Go to, uh, we, I, I just posted a seller call a couple of months ago on YouTube, by the way. On YouTube, by the way. I almost want to pull this up. Let's see if I can find this. Pace Morby Trevious. I think I have the Trevious call on here. I think the other thing too is like you probably wouldn't be the target market for a payday loan either. Why would you go to a payday loan place and offer up the title to your vehicle for a thousand dollars and pay 30% interest? That's also not a product for you. So it's like taking your mind out of the mind of the person that you're trying to solve their problem. There you go. So when people ask that question of why would a seller sell to you on subject to or seller finance, you have literally just told me you've never spoken to a seller with motivation. Because you would, the seller, like when you're in that conversation or you hear a conversation where a seller's in pain, guys, go on the YouTube channel. We have put on, we've probably put 50 to 60 phenomenal calls. If in, in the sub two uh, mentorship. I probably have 300, 400 seller calls. I do them frequently. I, I pitch terms. I pitch things to sellers all the time. And I post those calls inside the sub two mentorship active, like active in our business right now, conversations that I, I have with sellers frequently. And every single deal that we get subject to seller finance or cash, a discounted cash deal, we do fix and flip. We still, we still do wholesale, even though we don't talk about it much. We still wholesale. We just had a deal a couple months ago. It was like $81,000 assignment fee. Guys, every one of these sellers is in pain that you don't understand as a regular privileged freaking human being. Okay? That's the answer. They're going through something. I'm going to I'm going to answer this again. Why would somebody go through and sell to you on subject to or oh, sell a finance? <laughs> or novations agreements, or them lease options. Why? Why? Crikey. <laughs> the reason why is because they have some sort of pain, or they have motivation. That's it. Pain or motivation. And sometimes pain is their motivation, okay? Sometimes motivation doesn't actually have any pain involved with it. Okay, I'll give you a couple of examples. Somebody that's in foreclosure, I've got a really, really good seller call. I almost want to share this, but I, I definitely am not going to share this. I'll share it just with the sub two students. Um, we have a deal right now in Maricopa City. Seller says, I need this house out of my life. I'm in foreclosure. Guys, foreclosures are up 700% since January, 700%. And if you are not preparing for the upcoming swell of foreclosures, what the F are you doing? 
foreclosures are the biggest pain point. Do you know that in Maricopa County, just in our local town, 20 people a day get foreclosed on? We're not like Texas. Texas has one foreclosure auction every single, every second or third Tuesday of the month. That's it. Maricopa County, we have it 21 days a month people get foreclosed on. And the average amount of people get foreclosed on daily is 20. That means 400 people get foreclosed on in Maricopa County every single month. That's just our city, 400 that a real estate agent couldn't solve. No bank was willing to negotiate with that seller. No loan modification was willing to, to give them whatever. Only a subject to transaction would have solved that seller's deal. Only. 400 a month. So when somebody says subject to is rare, kiss my grits. They're rare. People who are skilled and work continuously are rare. The opportunities are not. That's it. The opportunities are plentiful. The people who actually work and apply things and stack skills on top of skills on top of skills are the rarest thing on planet Earth. And so typically when somebody says, well, subject to or seller finance deals don't, oper don't exist, one, they don't follow us. Two, they don't follow all the students that are cranking out deals every single day. But outside of following, they have not stacked any skills beyond what their broker allowed them to do or their little teeny little mindset allowed them to do. So if you're stuck in the wholesale hamster wheel, good effing luck in the upcoming uh, cavalcade of bullshit that this economy is going to go through. Our economy is going to hit some rough times. And while I do agree, there will still be opportunities for cash buyers. We have destroyed, we have killed it with creative finance over the last several years. We will murder it over the next three to five. Murder it. So the opportunities are everywhere. So let's go. Anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm getting on. My, am I on my high horse yet? Should I get off my high horse? No, I'm just getting was, started. I'm just, just getting started. Cause like, man, this guy just freaking just chill pace. Okay. Um, somebody says, what's the best line? Um, what's the best? Uh, somebody just asked, what's the number one? With sub two and seller finance, we provide a service for pain and money. Yeah, I like that, David. That's really good. Somebody just asked, what's the number one? Oh, here it is. Paul Brown, best online tool for finding and reviews, reviewing foreclosures pre through bank down. Cody, what, what's up with batch leads, bro? For finding pre foreclosures? Yeah, I mean, is that a great way to find foreclosures is batch leads? Oh, yeah. I mean, literally within a couple seconds, you can go on to batch leads, search for properties in whatever city or county that you're trying to look. And literally, there's a button that says pre-foreclosures. You click the button, all of them are going to pop up. You could pull up their phone numbers on there and literally just start reaching out to those people. It's not, it's not super complicated. Like, you know, someone was making a comment that we make it sound easy. It's... It sounds easy because it's a very simple process of how these things work. What's hard is actually working, actually consistently working, and actually calling sellers, having those conversations. I mean, that that's what it comes down to is it's working on the craft, which is actually doing the work. Yeah, that's it. So 
Um, I'm, 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 I'm being intense today because um, I just want to make sure that for all time in eternity, when somebody says, Pace, why does a subject to seller or a seller finance seller sell to you on terms? Well, guys, first and foremost, subscribe to the damn channel and watch the videos. Because over here, we had 15 or 20 people saying, what about that acceleration do, do on sale thingy thingy? <laughs> guys, Pace Morby do on sale. Pace Morby acceleration clause. Boom, 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 boom. We done did the work for you a year ago. We done did the work a year ago. Okay. Can you tell I've been watching a Western lately? What are you, what are you watching? <laughs> 1883. It's phenomenal. Oh, so good. We, we, uh, we got to start watching that. We watched Yellowstone and how good, dude. Yellowstone's great, but it's like fake drama. Yeah. 1883 is so good. It's like very romantic, um, like this old school Western vibe that you're just like, no, oh. it's no made up drama. You know, like in Yellowstone, it's like, don't open that box. It's going to blow up our whole office space. You're like that shit doesn't happen in regular life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in in 80, 1883, it's like legit things. Like, did you ever play? Um, what was that game that you played when you had to like cross the plains to Oregon? What was that called? Plains, Plains to Oregon. Somebody, somebody in the comments is going to know. Um, somebody in the comments is going to know. Just watch the comments. Somebody will say it. They'll know, they'll know what the hell I'm talking about. Okay, so here's, here, here's the thing. Um, Bo Howard says, what if the seller doesn't want the property back? Bo, I've already asked, answered this question to you before, brother. Directly to you. Sell the property. You can put a clause in the in your contract. Okay, this is where I'm going to answer this question. Thank you so much, Bo, for the for the question because here's the additional, here's the additional layer beyond what mortgages like Rocket Mortgage, Chase, Wells Fargo, all these other people. I've already given you their security. How are they secure? So when you ask the question of how is a subject to or seller finance trans or seller secured? We already answered it the same way all these other banks are secure, but we're going to give you additional, additional ways that they are secured. Am I okay with giving additional things? And are we confirming in our minds that actually creative finance provides more security than a traditional transaction? More security than a traditional transaction. Here's how. We created something called a performance clause that we write into our contracts that state we have to perform or else. And that or else is a blank space. Whatever the seller wants or else you have to sell the property or else you have to deed the property back to me. In fact, we even have an agreement that states the seller doesn't even need our permission after 31 days of us being late for them to take the property back. They can bypass foreclosure. So Chase, Wells Fargo, Rocket Mortgage, all these traditional lenders, if you, you as a landlord, by the way, there are millions and millions and millions of landlords that get foreclosed on all the time. 
If you fail to make your payments, do you know how long it takes for Chase, Wells Fargo, Rocket Mortgage to get their house back to then sell it and then get their money back? Three months to three years, depending on the silly state that you live in. If it's freaking Chicago, it's three years. If it's Arizona, six months. If it's Texas, it's three months. It's a lot of security, guys. That's a traditional path. What we can do in creative finance is we can actually put into our paperwork that the seller does not have to foreclose on us by utilizing what we call a performance clause that literally says, if Pace Morby or Cody Barton do not perform on what we agreed to in the note and the deed of trust that was recorded on the county, pro county recorder's office, then blank happens and they can fill in the blank, whatever they want. Anything, anything. People don't understand even the power of that anything. Okay, so like I even did a note and deed of trust with this lady named Jillian back in 2020, two years ago, where she seller financed a $1.1 million uh, property to me. And I made her write in the, in the deed of trust, okay, or in the note. I actually had to write it in the note that anytime I was in um, Atlanta, that she was required to take me to dinner. It is <laughs> written in, in, and it recorded against the county recorder's office in Atlanta on my property on Maddox. Anytime I go there, she has to do it. And why did I do that? I did that simply to show my students that you can write anything you want into a contract. Okay? You can write anything you want in a contract. I can force my seller to take me to dinner anytime I'm in Atlanta because I wrote it in a contract. And it's now in the note, the promissory note. I promise to not only make payments, or Pace doesn't just promise to make payments, but Jillian promises to take Pace to dinner anytime he's in Atlanta. It is written in the promissory note. Isn't that amazing? You can write anything you want in there. Okay, you can also write, hey, if this seller doesn't want their property back, hypothetically, right, instead of them taking the property back in the event that you fail or you, 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 you uh, default, you could write, Bo Howard is required to sell the property immediately on the market if they are in default. Okay, you can write anything you want in there. So when a seller says, well, you know, what if I don't want the property? I go, okay, great. What would make you feel comfortable? What would you make, what would make you feel comfortable if I defaulted? Okay. It is crazy the layers of protection the sellers actually get. So now let's go into an, that's a, Cody, is that a good enough layer of protection? Like if you were a seller right there, would that have checked your box mentally? Well, what if, you mess up my property and then I get it back. That's a good one. Here's the thing, Cody, you remember that down payment I gave you? Yes. And do you remember the payments I made along the way to your mortgage? Yes. And do you remember, um, the, you know, even though the property is, is damaged, I actually cleaned it up before I rented it out. So I fixed the air conditioning unit. I fixed the, the windows. I did all that kind of stuff. If I default, you actually get all of those benefits. You keep my down payment, okay? 
you keep all my payments I made to the mortgage and you keep any repairs or improvements I did to the property. That is your benefit if I default. Easy. Okay, great. Some sellers say, well, okay, well, I don't want a property damage. Okay, well, if you're not a great negotiator, which, which some of you guys are not great negotiators yet, one, I suggest you go watch me negotiate. Two, become a better negotiator. And three, if you can't be, do one or two, then go to three and say, seller, what down payment would make you feel secure in this situation? Now, the challenge with creative finance is so many people are trying to do a zero down, 0% zero interest, zero, blah, 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 blah. Right? I get that. But yeah. You guys do remember, remember that there are dumbasses out there doing burr loans, us included. We do, <laughs> we, we do burr deals all the time. Do we not? Yes. I but mean, they we suck. have a few that we're refinancing right now. We have a few that we're refinancing right now, but burr deals suck. And you can put me on record for that. You have to use your credit multiple times. But Cody, what is the average amount that we have to get? We have to sink into these properties. What's our what's our average purchase price, and what's our average amount of equity that we have to put into these deals? On a burr? Yeah, on a burr. I mean, on a burr, just in our own cash, we're typically forty to sixty thousand dollars into our own cash into it, and then there's usually about hundred thousand dollars in equity that's also sunk into it. So hundred and forty ish thousand dollars in equity sitting in a property. See, this is the thing people don't understand. They don't they're not comparing. Okay. What what they're doing is they're like, oh well I have to put money into a deal. Guys, if you want to be a real <laughs> estate investor, which I assume you're trying to be, there are sometimes go to biggerpockets.com, an amazing platform, but there's two million people there trying to do the burr strategy that requires on average for us pretty experienced people to have $140,000 tied up in the average property. Do you know what our average subject to deal is? Do you know what our average seller finance deal is? It's between 25 and $35,000. In fact, I got a good one for you. What was that? What was that one we bought uh, last year from June? It's up Sonnet. What's the address on Sonnet? Sonnet? Uh, 6761 West Sonnet. I wonder if that stays forever where like, I just remember like the address of every property that we have ever owned. Well, I mean, you work on them for a couple of months and you know, it takes a bit. Am I being intense today? Am I hurt? Do you think I'm hurting people's feelings? No, oh, I think that it's good energy. I think it's good. Okay. So guys, check this out. Here's another property you can pull guys. Do you know there's something called public record? You can go look up this address 60, 67, 61 West Sonnet drive. You guys can go look this up. Oh my gosh, dog. Holy shnikes. Wow. See, see, this is a deal. It's like we got such a good deal on it. It's like, I'm bro, so no, tempted. we did not. We Hold on. Let's tell the story just real quick because we yeah. did not get a good deal on this. We, at the time, no, we did not. At the, at the time. Here, you guys, pay attention to this. Okay? I'm going to remove this for a second. I want you guys to pay attention to this. The seller wanted Zillow price. The seller, the, the, hold on. Are you pay, are you paying attention to me, viewer? Viewer, are you paying attention to me? The seller wanted Zillow price for a house that needed forty thousand dollars in renovation, which means that we were willing to pay Zillow price 
and then go put $40,000 into it, which means we overpaid not only for the house, but we overpaid af even after our renovation. We dramatically overpaid for this property. But here's the beautiful thing, guys. We are great at negotiating with sellers, whereas the people sitting in your living room saying that these opportunities don't exist are just telling you that they're lactose intolerant, and if they eat ice cream, they're going to shit their pants. We negotiated with the seller. The seller says, I feel like I want Zillow price. And I go, June, let's do this. How about we say in the contract, the purchase price, pay attention to this. You guys don't even understand how genius we are. You don't. We've been doing this long enough that we, I'm, I'm pontificating. I'm on my soapbox. I'm okay with that. But here's what we did. We told the seller, I'll give you Zillow price plus $20,000 and whatever Zillow says the price is, on the day we close escrow, we will add $20,000 to the contract price as long as you give us great terms. So, Cody, did you think I was crazy when I did that last year? Um, I think we did no, it on like four or five properties simultaneously. When when I when I found out what the interest rate was going to be, I didn't. When I when I was just hearing the purchase price, yes. But when I heard terms, I was like, "No, that's yeah, I like that." I like. So that. we bought a four hundred and sixty-five thousand dollar house for ten thousand dollars down. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. We didn't even. Guy, what what is that interest? What what's the down payment on that four hundred sixty-five thousand dollar house? What's our interest rate on that? Three percent. Two percent. <laughs> what two percent ten thousand dollars down on four hundred sixty five thousand dollars our payment on that house is like nineteen hundred dollars a month oh my guys i feel the spirit holy crap two percent seller finance ten thousand dollars down on a four hundred sixty five thousand dollar house we told the seller we will give you twenty thousand dollars over retail in order to get this deal. Guys, learn how to negotiate before you say you're lactose intolerant. You know what I'm saying? Just learn. Learn how to do some shit. Man, you people out there that are saying seller finance and subject two doesn't exist. Guys, just watch, watch and learn. People have been doing seller finance and subject two for a long time. We didn't create this. We did create the Morby method. We have perfected the paperwork. We also have perfected the way of explaining this stuff. Find somebody better at explaining this. We've paid people. They're trash. There are some good people out there, but we're better because we do it more. <coughs> but my gosh, we bought this property for $465,000, $10,000 down. What's the, interest, what's, what's the down payment percentage on four sixty-five dollars at $10,000? What is that? I don't know, like uh, two, two percent down. Yeah, four sixty-five times. I mean, dude, yeah, it's like nothing. <laughs> Do divide, uh, divide. Yeah, it's, like, dude, it's just over two percent down. <laughs> just over two percent down with no credit. Nobody even checked our credit. We literally didn't have anybody check our credit. Nobody asked me where I worked. They never asked for our W two. They never asked for bank statements. Nothing, like literally nothing was asked for. 
And we bought this property for $465,000, which was overpaying by the traditional standards a year ago. A year ago, and we have now made, we have now made, let's look at this. How much money have we made? $270,000 in appreciation. $270,000 in appreciation in one year. Meanwhile, it's a cash-flowing Airbnb. This one performs pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Especially, we, I mean, with, What do we net on this? Like three grand a month? Yeah, it's like two to 2,500. Depending, okay. I mean, we get some good months in like December, January, February. So we made 200... First and foremost, we got cash flow. We mm -hmm. got appreciation. We made $270,000 in a single year, but we didn't use our own. And meanwhile, people are out there. And this seller had no pain. In fact, this seller, actually the seller had pain, but the main thing that they wanted was very high sales prices. Yep. So when we say a seller finance is more about motivation and gain, that this is what we talk about. The seller wanted Zillow price. We gave them Zillow price as long as they let us put $10,000 down. And Cody, we paid $10,000 down. We paid for closing costs and renovation costs for this property, turned it into an Airbnb. Where did that money come from? Did we take that out of our pockets? Private lender. What was the private lender's name? Keratin. Keratin gave us $70,000 of which we've paid back already. Yep. Paid him back in like February of this year. We didn't use our own money. We didn't use our own credit. We paid full retail. The property's made $270,000. We cash flow $2,500 a month on average. We borrowed somebody else's money for the down payment, the Airbnb costs, all that kind of stuff. It's already been paid back and it's only a year later. My gosh. Sorry. Was this a tangent or was this, was this okay? No, this is great. Okay. So the people needed... Okay, so a, the seller in that situation had motivation, right? She Here's where her motivation was. She has a son. Um, she had 90-something properties paid off free and clear, and she was nearing you know, the later years of her life, and she said, if I sell my properties right now and I give my money to my son, well, actually, the first thing she didn't want to do, guys, pay attention, write this down on your little pad, your little pad that you're going to DM me and ask me a question and go, whoa, 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 why would a seller, why would a seller, why would a seller, why would a seller? The seller didn't want to pay capital gains taxes and didn't want to have a ton of tax implications by just selling it on the cash market. That's one. That's one reason why a seller would sell to you on seller finance. Another reason why a seller would sell to you on seller finance is because they don't have to go through a realtor that's going to take all the damn money off the top. The average cost to sell a property in the in the United States is about 11%. And people that are not in real estate go, no, that's not right. It's not 11%. Because you you got 3% to one agent and 3% to another agent. That's 6%. What you've just told me is that you're lactose intolerant. 
you don't what you're really what you're saying really is that you've never done a real estate transaction. You've never actually sold a home and felt what it felt like that 6% is the least of your worries. The average cost to sell a house is 11% of the sales price. So if June sold that property at 465 on the market, she would have gotten somewhere around $420,000 and then had to pay taxes. So when people say, why would a seller sell to you on seller finance? How are they secure? Guys, we're giving them way more money than anybody else. Way more money. It's not even close how much more money we're giving them. Not even freaking close how much money we're giving them. We're also giving them peace of mind and they don't have to show the property. They don't have to go through realtors and open houses and inspections and appraisals and all these loan contingencies and all the crap. Again, that if you've never actually done a real estate transaction, you don't know what it feels like. When, a, when you ask me, why does a seller sell to you on seller finance? What you're telling me is you've never ever sold a property and felt the pain that people go through, not being the number you sell it for, then also having to pay taxes on taxes on, on taxes on, on top of that. And it takes you three to four months to find the buyer, wait for the this, wait for the that, wait for the that, to just get somewhere around $420,000 and then pay taxes on it. Okay. So have I told you enough motivation of why a seller would sell to you on seller finance? Check, 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 check. Another reason why is because they have personal stories and every single seller has their own individual story. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of transactions that we've done that every seller has a unique story. This seller didn't want to give the cash to her son because her son is an alcoholic and would misuse and abuse that money. So what she said is she goes, just make the money to my trust and I or make the payments to my trust even when I pass away. And he will receive monthly stipend for the next 30 years instead of giving him the ability to squander, squander that money away. Okay? So, Chloe, this is another great, great thing. I spoke with a seller and they said they think they will die within 10 years. She wants the money now. How would we structure shorter terms? It's called a balloon, Chloe. It's called a balloon. We've done... Also, balloon conversations on Sunday service. So if you guys want to go watch those episodes, go watch those, okay? Um, now, subject to and seller finance, not only if it, let's say this, okay? Let's say that a seller's in foreclosure. Is that a seller finance or a subject to? If they're in foreclosure, mm -hmm. I mean, it could be a hybrid of both, but typically going to be a sub two. Okay. So typically a sub two deal. All right. So sellers in foreclosure, they've got, they're behind on payments. We come along and do either a loan modification, right? We do um, some sort of uh, bank rearrangement of their loan. We help them. We bring them massive value. Okay. And then we help them get out of the situation of the foreclosure. We also get their name back in a good standing and rebuild their credit. Pay attention to this. I'm feeling powerful right now because I've realized how many freaking people we have stopped foreclosure on and not only stopped foreclosure on, in subject to, it is the only real estate transaction that still 
builds the seller's credit after they sell the property to you. Isn't that a magical thing? I've got a seller right now in, in uh, Vegas, Xavier. Somebody I bought a property from two years ago. He was in foreclosure. Two years later, he's like, Pace, I'm going to get another loan. Can you help me get... Uh, he's like, um, his credit got tanked like somewhere down in the 500s. His credit now is up in the 750, 760 area. And he says to me, this is a message he sends to me, because my mortgage payment has been paid on time, my credit is still amazing. I'm approved for another loan. Can you please help me get another loan? Isn't that interesting? So when you ask the question of why would a seller sell to you on subject two, you've also told me you've never spoken to a seller that has pain. That's what you've told me. Every single time, guys, listen to this. Again, when somebody says there's no subject two deals out there, what? What? Look in the comments. Ask people how many subject two deals. We've done hundreds of those. In fact, I, there's so many of those deals I could turn off every single other deal flow that we have and only buy subject two deals for the rest of my life. They are everywhere. The difference is the skill set of talking to sellers that have pain is not everywhere. So when people say, oh man, this, the deals aren't everywhere. No, the skilled human beings are not everywhere. And that is where the untapped potential really is. Okay, untapped potential. For example, a property that we bought on Branch Forest Way, just recent deal. Buddy, did I just go on off on one today? Yes, it is currently Sorry. 821. Okay, we got we got nine got nine minutes to talk about what is a, a bird dog buyer. Great. We'll get on that and it, we'll get on that in about eight minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, so here we go. Uh, 405 Branch Forest Way. Let me let me pull that up. 405 Branch Forest, Stockbridge, Georgia. This is a really great one. Okay. This one uh, we actually closed on sub two day. Okay. Sub two day. What's the what's the date of sub two day, Cody? Was that February second? It was. Let's pull it up. Let's see what what day did we close on this? Bada bing, bada boom, right there. Two twenty two twenty two. Okay, the property's actually gone up in value, but when when we closed on it four or five months ago, the values estimate said it was four thirty. It's already gone up thirty nine thousand dollars. We bought it. It's a five-bed, five-bath, 4,100-square-foot house from a real estate agent named Trevious who was in foreclosure. She had over 15 other real estate investors. Hold on. I'm going to say this again because I don't think you heard me. Trevious herself was a successful real estate agent who ran into troubles during COVID and couldn't get listings, et cetera fell behind on her mortgage, and she herself was like, I can't list this. It doesn't have enough equity. Trevious herself said that. She also had 15 people approach her and have lengthy conversations, follow up two or three times, but it was, listen to me, it was Jamari, a wholesaler who doesn't understand creative finance, that knocked on the door and followed up with her for over, I think it was 12 weeks. 
She followed, he followed up with her for 12 weeks. She finally says to Jamari, you're the only person that continually follows up with me. Tell me how you can help me. And he says, I don't know how to help you, but I know somebody who, who does. So listen to what I just said there. Jamari said, I don't know how to help you. He admitted it. I'm a wholesaler. All I do is understand cash. All I do is watch three or four people on YouTube that talk about cash. That's what I know. That's where my skill set is limited. And Jamari's a super smart guy. So he introduces me to Trevius. And in four minutes, Trevius is like, I'm on board. I love this. So what was it that the other 15 investors couldn't accomplish that I accomplished in four minutes? It's called skill. It's called stacking skills along the way. So when somebody says, are these deals everywhere? Yes, they are. But the skilled human beings are not. So that is where the opportunity lies for people like us. Creative finance is the end all be all co competition. Like I'm laying down the gauntlet in our local market. If somebody knows that they're going to one, two, three main street and they know pace Morby is going to one, two, three main street an hour later, an hour before they'll text me and go, I'm not even going to the appointment. I just found out you're the person I'm competing with. You know why? Because we have skills that pay the bills. We know how to talk to sellers about subject to and seller finance. We know how to talk to sellers about novation agreements and lease options. We are not one trick ponies walking into a house and just trying to undercut a seller at 50 cents on the mother freaking dollar. That's not what we do. Do we go in cash first all day long? But then we pivot based on the seller's pain or their motivation for gain. Pain, typically subject to. Motivation for gain, typically seller finance. So other ways that a seller is secured in subject to is we keep their loan in their name. We improve their credit. Most of the people, not most, 50% of the sellers in subject to, we buy out of foreclosure. We stopped their foreclosure. We reinstated their loan. We are now making payments on their behalf and improving their credit. How much more security do you need? And first and foremost, do you know how infrequently sellers in subject to situations are asking you, how am I secured? It is so absolutely rare unless you're calling them and you are being a timid Tony. Um, well, you know, there's this thing. It's, I think it's called subject to. Guys, if you're having a hard time talking to sellers, that's your problem. It has nothing to do with the pitch. You have no confidence. You haven't practiced enough. You're not part of a community of people that are helping you push the boundaries of your practice Okay, you're not building that confidence. So instead of saying, I'm having a hard time pitching terms, just say, I haven't gotten enough practice yet and go find people to practice with. Okay. In fact, check this out. Tristan Trenberth, good brother, big, big leader in sub two, says they don't give a crap because they'll lose the house totally. And get do you know what subject, do you know what uh, Tristan Trenberth's first deal was, Cody? Sub two. No, not possible. What about the house he currently lives in? That's a sub two as well, isn't it? It is a sub two. What do you think 50 or so percent of his transactions are? Sub two. Okay, so Hurricane. this is a man, nothing against Tristan. I'm just trying to draw something out. Tristan tried to get into real estate for a year or so before he came into the sub two community. 
And the first deal he got after learning cash, after going and spending a lot of money on education, I don't remember exactly what he spent. I think he went, I don't know what he, I don't remember his education. It was either fortune builders or rich dad, poor dad or something like that. He went through multiple programs, which provided value to him, but he never got a deal. It wasn't until he learned creative finance that he got boom, 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 deal after deal after deal. Okay. Man, I feel like it just warmed up. Oh, you see, Tristan spent $40,000 with Elite Legacy and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He got value. I'm sure he got value. It led him down the right road. Okay, guys, Tristan Trendberth went and learned cash transactions and had one-on-ones with these very high-level education platforms. But it wasn't until he joined a community, became a leader in that community, that he started popping deals. And then realized, wow, subject two is actually everywhere. So when somebody says subject two, seller finance, novation agreements are rare ponies. No. Skilled human beings with consistency and people who want to stack those skills are the rarest thing of all. He says that $40,000 led me to this community. That was worth $40,000 and more. There you go. Louis Lakeo says, same here, $35,000 of fortune builders and Cody Sperber. Bo Howard says, my first deal is a sub two. We'll put 4K in my pocket up front and cash flow on top of it. Zero out of pocket. Hold on, Bo. They don't exist, dog. They don't exist. They don't exist. Okay. And Joe Lavery says, I'm tired of the mouse wheel of wholesaling. Nothing against wholesaling. Cody and I, Enjoy wholesaling. It's where we get a lot of our fix and flips from. It's where we get a lot of our subject to and seller finance deals from. We love wholesaling, but we also know that wholesaling is a high paying job. It is a high paying job. You have to go invest that money in other businesses. You have to stack assets. You have to get cash flow. You have to build partnerships in other businesses. Cody, congratulations on. Um, New relationships, new title companies, bro. Complete title, dog. You excited about this or what? Yeah, really excited. I mean, that's the that's the evolution of business. I mean, if you're going to continue to grow, it's opening up new branches of business and you know vertically integrating. So I, it's going to be fun. Last question of the night. Good try on my last name. Lewis says he said I said Lewis Lacayo. Is it Lewis Lacayo? Lacayo. <laughs> so, Christiana Amarindico, can you buy abandoned homes subject to? Here's a better question. Cody, what type of houses, what type of cars, what type of anything can you not buy subject to? Ones that don't have debt, a debt instrument to take over subject to. There you go. Every single type of home, every single type of asset we're buying, we've, we've bought multifamily subject to and a lot of seller finance. Multifamily has so many opportunities in seller finance. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how many opportunities in multifamily there are for seller finance. Nic Nicholas Marcano, would you buy a Zillow price plus $20,000 with terms nowadays with the market like it is? Mar Nicholas, for people as powerful as us in terms of creative finance, we could give a flying monkey's ball sack 
what the price of the house is. What we care about is our ability to cash flow and the insulation from that cash flow. That's it. When Put yourself in the situation, guys. We do not buy houses. Cody and I buy cash flow. So what do I give a crap? If a, and by the way, Nicholas, one thing you forgot to mention is that we bought that house $20,000 over retail, Zillow, that still needed to be renovated with 2% seller finance. So you tell me, the market is at 5%. What's our what's our uh, loan rate right now, Cody? Uh, for burrs that we're doing now, it's like six, six and a half. Six and a half percent for you burr strategies people out there. Good luck with that. How Did we not cancel a couple of deals in our pipeline because they didn't make sense anymore because burr sucks? Oh, yeah. Canceled, canceled doing the burr strategy on them. We still have we still have some, but we're not happy about yeah. our rates. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have we have a couple guys for every percentage point. Pay attention to this for every point of percent that you have goes from two to three, three to four, five to six, six to seven. Every percentage point changes the affordability on a property by 18%. So think about that. If I have a mortgage payment at 3%, that's $1,000 a month, hypothetically. If it goes to four, it goes up 180 bucks. If it goes to five, it goes up another. If it goes up six, I mean, this is a different deal. Okay? It's a different deal. We buy cash flow, and there's no property that we can't do creative finance with. Can you get interest-only loans for Burr? Yes, these are the people who got their asses handed to them in 2006, 2007, 2008. The people that were doing crazy loans like um, uh, adjustable rate mortgages. Stay away from those. Okay? Uh, Joe Lavery. Let's do, guys, let's do, let's do a little research on one thing and then I'm going to let Cody go. Cody, if I want to know something, right? Check this out. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go to YouTube. Now, of course, sub two students are going to get a lot more information than this, but let's do Pace. Let's go to Pace Morby's channel. And let's do a little screen share. All right, so guys, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, what are you doing with your life? Okay, so let's put in um, how to find sub two pace Morby. Ooh, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait what? We done, oh, you're telling me we done did the work? We done did that work right here? Guys, 15 minutes on this. Top five ways to find a sub two property. Okay. We done did the work. How to structure a sub two deal. Sub two deal strategy for first time home buyers. Okay. Right here. Oh, this was a good one, dog. Streamed a year ago. I remember this day, actually. How to get your first sub two deal. 15,000 views. Damn, we done did the work, bro. Steady, steady on. We it steady stay years. doing that work. We steady stand doing that work. But people stay steady, not going and lo looking on the YouTube channel and typing in how to find a sub two deal, Pace Morby. Boom, six videos all on how to do that. 
Louis Lakeo says, are you intending on buying a seven unit multifamily in Gastonia, uh, North Carolina? Depends. What are my terms, dog? I'm not buying, Cody and I are not buying cash outside of the state of Arizona. Okay. We're not buying, I'm going to say that again. We are not buying cash outside of the state of Arizona. Everything you send us needs to be on terms. I get so many people that go, I don't know, man. I think Pace really wants to look at this deal in, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, because it's cash and it's a really good deal. I know he says, please don't send us deal. Don't send them deals that are cash outside of state of Arizona. Just send us creative finance deals or sellers who are open to creative finance. And then magically we get a DM or an email that goes, yo, got this deal. Columbia, South Carolina, Gastonia, North Carolina. It's a cash deal. Guys, not interested. Eh, not interested. Terms or sellers who are interested in terms. Cody, did we answer did we answer the question of how does a seller get protected in a sub two and seller finance transaction in the last one hour and 36 minutes? I think very sufficiently so, yes. Or they could watch the 17 other videos on your YouTube channel to get like variations of the exact same thing that we talked about here as well. There you go. Guys, um, here's what here's why I got intense tonight is because um, I knew that this video is going to be shared a thousand times over the next year or so inside the DMs. People DM us, and I just wanted to have a YouTube video that I could very quickly answer that question and drive them here. Guys, we've done videos on how to find subject to and seller finance transactions. Go to batchleads.io forward slash pace. It's where most of our leads are coming from batchleads.io forward slash pace. You'll get discounts and all sorts of cool things. Batchleads.io forward slash pace. People are going to get motivated by this and then they're going to go, okay, but what's my first step? Guys, go watch the videos on how to get your first subject to deal. That video actually shares Cody and I going through batch leads and pulling a list and showing you guys how to use batch leads. So go to batchleads.io forward slash pace. Um, Stephanie Vargas says, Pace, when is the button on your site going to go live to work with you? Unfortunately, I don't know. It's a great question. Um, Cody, you're the man. You're the man. Let's start Happy some Sunday. more businesses this year. Let's we already got a couple more, more. We got a couple more in the pipeline. Let's open up more title companies. I'm down for that. We got we got one in Arizona opening, a new one in Arizona coming opening. Complete title. We got one in Texas opening, our first one in Texas. Complete title. We got another one in Florida opening. Complete title. And we've got about 10 on the docket for future openings. So, yes, sir. Appreciate you guys so much. Um, by the way, Louis Magana, what's a good seller finance script to pitch a seller finance on her calls? Go watch the YouTube channel, bro. I promise you the it's been answered. We've been doing, we stay steady doing that work. Okay. Um, guys, we out. Okay. We're, we'll see you guys next week on Sunday service. We out. And we, we stay doing that work later. Oh.